0: Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorce. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Living forward. Marriage matters. I want to talk to you today about forgiving and living. So forgive and live is how we live forward. Let's read a couple of scriptures. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 32. The Bible says, and Be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 13 says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now 1 Samuel chapter 25 verses 32 through 34, And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice and blessed be thou which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. For in very deed as the Lord God of Israel liveth which hath kept me back from hurting thee except thou hadst hasted and come to meet me surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any That pisseth against the wall. Yes, that's King James Version. So the definition for forgiving is this. In the Greek, here's the word. You can pronounce it if you would like. But it means to grant as a favor, to be gratuitous. It means to have kindness, to pardon or rescue, to deliver, frankly forgive, freely give, or don't charge remorse or grant. So here's the question I want to ask you today and I want you to put this question in your heart and in your mind and in your memory as we go through these scriptures today. Here's the question. Do do I want Christ to forgive me the way that I forgive others? Do I want Christ to forgive me the way that I forgive others? See, if I'm going to live forward, I'm going to have to learn how to forgive. One thing that I have learned through the years now, and I'm I'm getting a little bit older. I'm middle-aged. I'm getting a little bit older now. And one thing that I have learned is that I have never met anybody who somebody didn't do something bad to. So if you live long enough, the necessity for forgiveness will pop up in your life. And some people can never get past us. Uh, Bismarck said... Life has taught me to forgive much, but to seek forgiveness still more. I thought that was powerful. Another quote here, Never does the human soul appear so strong and noble as when it forgoes revenge and dares to forgive an injury. If I'm going to live forward, I'm going to have to turn some things loose. Lord Chesterfield, Little vicious minds abound with anger and revenge and are incapable of feeling the pleasure of forgiving their enemies. There is pleasure in forgiving our enemies. It's called freedom. It's called freedom. We don't forgive people for them. We forgive people for us. So we can be set free and move forward. Now, the strongest... Lessons of forgiveness are learned in the formative years. What impresses the world most is changed lives for which there is no natural explanation. I tell you that sometimes because I want you to understand it's so unnatural for a person to forgive those who have hurt them and to desire reconciliation and to work towards reconciliation that there is no greater testimony to lost people. The thing that should make us different, one of the main things that should make us different from lost people is that we can forgive and that we can move forward. Now, always remember, it's not so much what you say but who you are that will have the greatest impact on people. You may forget, what I have done for you, but you'll never forget how I've made you feel. And so it's important for us to walk in love, and it's important for us to walk in forgiveness. It's important for us to learn how to live forward. The Bible said that we are to be kind to one another, that we are to be tenderhearted, that we are to forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. And then the Bible also says that we are to forbear one another and forgive one another. And if any man has a quarrel against any, we're supposed to forgive him as Christ forgave us. Now, the strongest lessons of forgiveness are learned in the formative years. Many people never develop beyond their formative years. Can I teach you this morning? I said, many people never develop beyond their formative years. Maturity is a lesson that we must learn before we can come into the fullness of what God has for us. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 25, we find a story, and I read it to you in just three verses there, of David and and Abigail. Now, David was a king in waiting, and it's not always easy to be the man in waiting. But David was a king in waiting. God had called him. God had anointed him. God had given vision to him. There were people that were gathering themselves to David, but it wasn't time for him to step into his kingly position. Now, if he would have been like a lot of us today, he would have said, well, bless God. God called me and God anointed me, so here I go. Well, no, there's always a time of preparation. There's always a time of training. There's always a time of learning before we can step into what God has called us for and what God has anointed us for. And what I learned a really, really long time ago is those that I allow, that I feel that the Lord has brought into my life for training, and if I allow them to speak into my life, then I can receive impartations of their anointing in my life and add it to the anointing that God has given me, and the ministry becomes more effective later. You can live life on purpose and be successful and experience the blessing of God upon your life if you will give yourself to ministry training, to Christian training, to life training. Now David was a king in waiting and And he was gathering people and he'd already been called. He had already been anointed and he was going around and he was defending people and he was defending their crops from the enemy and all of this. And so they had defended Nabal's crops. They had defended his farm, his ranch, whatever you want to call it today, what we would call it today. And that they had defended his property. So he takes his men up to Nabal and he asked for something to eat and Nabal said, you can forget that. I'm not going to give you anything to eat. David turned around, took his men back and started in his mind to wage war against Nabal. Well, Nabal's wife, Abigail, saw what was happening and she said, you know what? This is not going to be good for anybody involved. I'm going to go and intercede with the future king of Israel, David, on behalf of Nabal and My husband's farm. Now, she had to be patient for this. Patient is something that is learned through life experience. I'm a lot more patient than I used to be. You think I'm a get-or-done guy now? Some of you that's around me, you think I'm a get-or-done guy now? You didn't know me 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Man, I ran 150 mile an hour. I just run 100 mile an hour now. I probably would run 150 miles an hour if I had the energy that I had 25 years ago. But patience is something that is learned through life experience and it wasn't easy for David to wait. I believe that God has called many of us to greatness but we will not achieve our full potential if we allow ourselves to self-destruct through impatience and many times unforgiveness. Gratitude is necessary for advancement. Abigail ran to David. She fell before David. She said, thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you for protecting our farm. Thank you for protecting our crops. Thank you for these things. And I don't want you to destroy. And, and David's heart was softened because Abigail, this woman of God, learned that, had learned that gratitude was necessary for advancement. Now, David and his men forgave, although Nabal actually ended up dying and later David took Abigail to wife. Here's something we have to understand. Nabal may not have seen David as the next king of Israel. Not everyone will see you like God sees you. I'm going to preach. I said, not everyone is going to see you like God sees you. Sometimes mama won't see you like God sees you. Sometimes daddy won't see you like God sees you. Sometimes your aunts and your uncles and those friends that you grew up with in school will not see you. You know why? Because they base their opinion on you, on, on your historical facts. Well, God doesn't base His opinion on your historical fact. God bases His opinion upon His vision for you. So that's why God is more interested in your destiny than He is in your history. So we should never forfeit our destiny by living in the past. we got to make up our mind. we got to say, you know what? <laughs> I went to Calvary. And at Calvary, my sins were erased. At Calvary, Jesus took my place. I ran across amazing grace, which is God's ability to do in me and for me what I could not do in myself or for myself. I ran into amazing grace at Calvary. And when I ran into that amazing grace, it washed my sin away. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And now I can live in gratitude and I can live and forgive because I've experienced the forgiveness of the lord not everyone will see you as god sees you not everyone will see you as the king that you are. Not everyone will see you as the business owner that you are. Not everyone will see you as the good husband that you are. Not everyone will see you as the good wife that you Come on, not everyone will see you as the good child. Not everyone will see you as the good teacher that you are, the good preacher that you are, the good musician, the good singer. Not everyone will see you as God sees you. But just because they can't see you doesn't mean that God has changed His mind about you. The natural response is revenge, but it's the wrong response. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 19 says this, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it's written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now here's something I've learned throughout my life. God will always have an Abigail somewhere to help me out. I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for the praying grandmas of the church. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the men of God who took a chance on me and invested themselves in me and stood in pulpits in congregations like this one and actually had the spot that I've got. And I sat in the spot where Pastor Josh is and I sat in the spot where Moses is and where's BJ. I sat in the spot where BJ is and those that are training for ministry, that used to be me. And I was sitting there and you know, I was on the edge of my seat and every time I went, huh, I took a note. I was soaking it in. I was experiencing not only the wisdom of years, but I was also experiencing the anointing. I was taking in. The, I was watching Perry Stone last night, and he actually had, he reran a, an old program, and he had his daddy on there. And I used to preach revivals for his daddy, so I knew Fred. I knew Fred Stone. I knew uh, Bishop Fred Stone. And so um, he was preaching. He he was pastoring in, in one of the Carolinas. I can't, still can't remember. if It was North or South Carolina. But I used to walk down the hall every morning at 6 o'clock, preaching a revival for him, and I'd knock on his door in the morning at 6 o'clock and wake him up and say, Come on, Pastor, we're going to the church to pray. He'd come all sleepy-eyed and come out there, and one day we was over at the church, and he looked at me and he shook his head and he said, Jonathan, you and Perry are the only people that I know can stay up all night long and still go all day long, and and both of you guys want to pray early in, in the morning. He spoke into my life. He gave me wisdom. Dr. Lester Summerall spoke into my life. He gave me wisdom. Through media uh, ministry, not Joel, but John Osteen. Dad Osteen spoke into my life for years and gave me wisdom. Dad Hagen spoke into my life and gave me wisdom. D.C. Branham, not William Branham, D.C. Branham, the pastor of the Bible Holiness Assemblies of God Church in Neosho, Missouri, spoke into my life, started speaking into my life when I was three and a half years old and spoke into my life and loved me and gave me wisdom until he passed away when I was 17 years old. You are the sum total of what people have poured into you. But, but people can pour, but we've got to open ourselves up. We have to open ourselves up. We have to to accept that. We have to receive that. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it's written, vengeance is mine, I'll repay, saith the Lord. And so, so David said, you know, I'm not going to fight Nabal anymore. God has sent me an Abigail. God has sent me someone to pour into my life. God has sent me someone to help me. Now, David's formative years, now listen very closely, David's formative years of becoming king would have been severely scarred had he not been willing to listen to abigail it's even more fascinating when you familiarize yourself with the role of women in the culture of that day she didn't fit into a war council she was a woman men did war councils she was considered the property of another man that's my wife but she's not my property And if I thought she was my property, she would correct me real quick. (laughs) Now, I'm hers. I belong to her. She'll say, that's my man. And I'll say, yes, baby. (laughs) And then back then in the culture of that day, any man who listened to the counsel of a woman was considered weak. Sometimes our Abigails are those that we least expect. Isn't that right? Romans 11.33 says this, Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. So if I'm going to live forward and I'm going to learn how to forgive, then the first thing I need to learn is what forgiveness is not. Okay? Forgiveness is not Approval. God never approves of sin. In fact, He hates it, but God loves the sinner. You can love the lost without approving of what they do. I stand here in the pulpit sometimes and I preach some things that some people have felt was very hard. I'm just teaching and preaching the Word of God. That's what I'm teaching and preaching. And you know something? If you accept it, I'm going to love you. And if you don't accept it, I'm going to love you. But I have a stewardship responsibility to stand up here and say, Thus saith the Lord. This is what His Word says. And as long as there is breath in my body, I will not soften the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's important for us. to to teach and to preach and to speak into other people's lives the things of the Word of God. And sometimes when we love the person, especially if it's a wayward son or a wayward daughter or a wayward family member, sometimes it's easier to almost act like we're approving of what they're doing because we want to stay in their favor. Listen, the way you stay in their favor is not through approval, it's through loving them. You can say the right thing in the right way. What happens many times is people say the right thing in the wrong way. And because of the spirit and the attitude behind it, then the soul, which is the seat of the mind, will, and the emotions of that person is not opened up and it can't receive the truth of God's Word. What I'm trying to tell you is this. You can forgive somebody, but forgiveness is not approval. You do not have to approve of sin to love the sinner. You don't have to approve of what people are doing in order to continue to love them. Another thing, and this is a big one, forgiveness is not pardon. Forgiveness is not pardon. Pardon is a legal transaction that releases an offender from the consequences of their actions. God forbid if something was to ever happen to one of my daughters, I would take that man and slap him in jail just as fast as I could. God commands me to forgive him, but he does not command me to pardon him. And so I have to hold him accountable for his actions so he can't get out here and do it to your daughter or your granddaughter. It's amazing how much, how, how, how many times I'm thinking about grandparents stuff lately. <laughs> forgiveness is not reconciliation. Now reconciliation can be a byproduct of forgiveness, but forgiveness is not reconciliation because reconciliation requires the participation of two people. So I have to forgive someone and, and that doesn't mean I'm going to be reconciled to them. There are some people you will forgive and you, and, and you, can't, for, you, you can't get... You, you know, they're never going to see that they did wrong. Come on. They're never going to see that, that they did wrong. Reconciliation requires the participation of two people. We still have the obligation to forgive even if the offending party is blind to their own offensive ways and never sees the need to apologize. I'm getting down where we're preaching now. You ready? Some of y'all need to forgive. This, this is that Marriage Matters series. You know, Some of y'all need to forgive a former spouse. They're never, listen baby, they're never going to think they were wrong. Ever. You've got to come to grips with that. You've got to come to grips with that. And as long as that frustrates you, and as long as that angers you, and as long as you're trying to point it out, you're not married to them anymore, but they're still controlling your life. So what you've got to do is you've got to say, you know what? You may never see it, but I forgive you, and I release you, and I'm going to live forward. Live forward. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 5 says this. It says that love keeps no record of wrongs. That's the Greek word logizomai, which means to reckon or impute. And this simply means that true love does not store up wrong. Now, complete forgiveness is not forgetting. Some people say, well, if you forgive, if you really forgive, you'll forget. Uh Uh-uh. That's not true. That's not true. There's absolute, there are some things that happen to you, there's absolutely no way that you'll be able to erase that memory. Sometimes you cannot erase the memory, but you can control the pain. You hear me? You can control the pain. The memory can be there, but it can actually get to the point where it no longer hurts. So here's what I want you to understand. Forgiveness will set you free. If you're going to live forward, then allow forgiveness to set you free. Forgiveness sets me free. It doesn't set the offender free. You know, I'm going to forgive them and I'm going to love them like Jesus did. I'm going to pray to God that they go to heaven. Now, I want, might want God to put them on the other side of heaven, but I'm still going to pray <laughs> that the Lord puts them in heaven. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, Look, because I don't, He's not willing that any should perish But that all should come to repentance. And if we love people like Jesus did, that's how we're going to feel. And so we got to learn how to do that, okay? So we got to learn how to forgive so we can be set free, so we can forgive and live. Now, a lot of people misinterpret Hebrews 8, number 8 and verse number 12, where the Bible says that He remembers our sin against us no more. It doesn't say that God forgets the sin. This is how they misinterpret it. The Bible says that He remembers that sin against us no more. How many times in prayer have you felt the Lord prompt you to take you back in your memory to the day before you got saved? While He remembers what you were like. He remembers what you were going through. How many remember the day you got saved? How many remember the day before you got saved? How many remember the day after you got saved? How many remember the change that took place? Well, so does God. And sometimes He takes us back there to show you His power, to remind you of what grace felt like, to remind you of what God's love felt like. There are times when people will do things to you that for the rest of your life you will remember it, but you don't remember it against them. You release them from that offense. It's amazing to me that God would remember what we did and still not hold it against us. We should use this as our example. Well, how do I forgive? Well, the best way to get something done is to begin. Simple truth. How am I going to forgive? You just have to begin. Well, I don't have it in me. Well, you know something? You take the first step. What's that first step? Lord, I need your help. Lord, help me forgive them. I had a situation here. Well, this this year there's been some things that's happened and I realized I was starting to get, even, even me, I mean, my goodness, I've been in the ministry all of my life. But, you know, when, you're in the, when you've been in the ministry as long as I have, they're, not everybody loves you. In fact, some people wish to God you were six foot under. You know, especially when you just preach the truth and you try to do the right thing. Some people just, you know, and so we've had some things happen over the last year, year and a half, and I noticed myself getting into this downward spiral and I was having a really difficult time. So you know what I did? I called together a couple of elders. Sitting right here in this sanctuary, I pulled three chairs up. I sat in one, a couple of those sat in the other. We were here by ourselves in the morning, and I just poured out my heart to them. I just gushed it out to them. And I told them, I said, you guys got to help me because I'm not going to let the devil make me mean. I'm not going to let the devil do this to me. I'm not going to let the betrayal, the hatred, the all of. The, I'm not going to let it overcome me. I, I've got to walk in forgiveness. I, I have to let this go because it's starting to hinder me. I've got to let it go. So I poured out my heart for about ten minutes. I don't know what I was looking for. Maybe I was looking for a pat on the back. I don't know. I, I just knew I needed help. And I knew what needed to be done but it never dawned on me how many's ever been there so we're sitting there and I got through and they both looked at me and one of them just threw his hands up in the air and he said father right now in the name of jesus we just agree that we bless them I, no <laughs> look what they've done to Lakewood. Look what they've done to us. Look what they're trying to... No, no, no. Father, we bless them in the name of Jesus. And he looked at me and said, Come on, Pastor. (laughs) Lord, we bless them. (laughs) Lord, oh God, we bless them. Father we bless them and and, and the more and the more we went on the more I felt to come off of me before it was on Lord we bless them in the name of Jesus we bless them and all of the weight and all of the pain and all of the struggle and all of the trial and every now and then the old nasty devil would try to put that back on me and you know what I do I get over in a corner somewhere and say Lord I bless them Lord I bless them In the name of Jesus. Why? Because I preached it to you and I have to live what I preach because it's the word of God. Bless them which despitefully use you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Some of y'all need to quit hanging on to the pain of the past. Some of y'all need to quit hanging on to the offenses. Some of y'all need to quit hanging on to the pain and start blessing your enemies so you can be free hallelujah (laughs) hallelujah it's amazing to me that God would do this he knew my sin he knew my shortcomings he knew my failures he knew my mess ups and he still forgave me he still loves me he still loves you so you gotta forgive and live forward now I'm gonna address something that's to some of our hearts here and I'm praying to God it sets some of you free I've had so many people come to me through the years and make a statement similar to this well I'm going to come to church pastor but I've been church hurt so bad that I don't know it's going to take me some time well first of all welcome to Christianity I have never in my life heard somebody say, I'm not going to go back out in the world because I've been world hurt so bad. Now, Preaching where we're living, aren't we? We're talking about where we're living. Oh, no, here's what I'm going to tell you, son. I'm going to tell you. I would like to tell you, well, come on, to Lakewood. You'll never be hurt again. But if I told you that, I'd be telling you a lie. You know what? You're probably going to be hurt again sometime during your life. Somebody's probably going to do you wrong again. Somebody's probably going to say something about you or towards you or look at you wrong and you're going to misinterpret it or something like that. You know, something's going to happen somewhere, someway, and that old nasty spirit of offense is going to try to get a hold of you and you're going to have to say, you know what? The only offense that is effective is the offense that is taken. So I think I'm just going to decline the opportunity to take this offense. I'm going to walk in liberty. I'm going to walk in freedom. I'm going to experience the freedom that God's Word gives me in the, in the fellowship of my brothers and sisters. You say, well, how do I overcome that? You make a decision right here, right now. You draw a line in the sand and say, from this day forward, things are changing. I'm moving forward. No matter what offense is brought to me in the future, right now, right here today, I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. Come on, say it. I forgive. Come on, say it. I forgive. forgive. Come on, shout it out. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. forgive. Come on, come on. Hands in the air. I forgive, Lord. Lord, I forgive. Lord, Lord, I forgive those that's hurt me. Come on, right now. Lord, I forgive those that's hurt me. Lord, I forgive those those that said things against me. Lord, I bless my enemies. Come on, right now. Come on. Come on. God's going to set you free right now. God, I bless my enemies. Lord, I bless them in the name of Jesus. Come on, speak it out. Speak it out. Come on, Pastor, you're making me... Yeah, I'm trying to help you get free. Lord, I bless my enemies. I forgive them, Lord. I forgive them, Lord, so I can be free. Forgive and live forward. Now, forgiveness is not forgetting. You cannot truly live forward until you do three things. You clearly see the offense. That means you don't deny that it's there. You cannot conquer something that you will not address. So when that former spouse... Tries to wreak havoc in your life. Ignoring it is not the answer. Forgiving it is. Forgiving it is. You clearly see the offense, you take it seriously, and then you resolve to forgive. <laughs> God was our example in this. God took sin so seriously that He sent His Son to die to cleanse us of our sins. He didn't pat us on the hand and say, oh, that's, that, that really wasn't so bad. No, sin was serious to God. It was so serious that He sent His Son Jesus to pay a serious sacrifice for our sins. He didn't deny that there was offense. He didn't deny that there was missing the mark. The definition of sin is a willful transgression against the law of God. That is the official definition of sin. God did not say, oh, that's okay. No, He said, their sin. But what I'll do is I love you so much that I'll send my son Jesus to be the lamb slain from the foundation of the world to forgive you of your sin and remember it against you no more. Quote it with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now listen to verse 17. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Therefore, this is not a message of condemnation. It is a message of the love of God. So God says, I'm not going to deny the fact that there's sin, but through my love, I'll provide the sacrifice and the way. To forgiveness. In closing, complete forgiveness is not a feeling but a choice. Complete forgiveness is not a feeling but a choice. Number two, we choose to forgive just as God has forgiven us. Number three, it's okay to address the pain of an offense but we Should never allow that pain to overtake us. We deny its right to steal our joy and wreck our future. And we win because we forgive. Look at your neighbor and say, You're a winner when you forgive. You're a winner. When you forgive. It's manlike to punish, it's godlike to forgive. I said it's manlike to punish, it's godlike to forgive. Let's stand. Come on. Whew. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please, for just a few moments all around the sanctuary today. I know God's been working on you because from my vantage point, I can see how God has been working and lifting things off of you guys throughout this message. I've seen, uh uh-huh. I've seen, wow. I've seen, oh. I've seen just... The work of God. I've seen the word working on you today. And I know that God has spoken to many of you today that there are things in your life that you need to just forgive. Your destiny is waiting on your choice. I said, Your destiny is waiting on your choice. Moses was 80 years old. He had been running for 40 years. There was an Egyptian that slew one of his brethren, or was whipping one of his brethren, and he killed the Egyptian, buried him in the sand, and took off, and carried the weight of that. Until 40 years later, he was walking on the backside of a desert and he saw a bush that burned but wasn't consumed. Moses in the burning bush. God called him to go back to the place of the infraction and set a nation free. What if Moses would have said, I just can't do it because I remember what I did. And what that person did. Every single one of us in this place can come up with any excuse that we want to hang on to an offense. But it's not good enough when it comes up against Calvary. Because God challenges us to forgive so we can be free and live. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. I just want... If you say, Pastor, this message has spoken directly to me today. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to know who I'm praying with. Just put your hand up in the air right now. Dear God. Alright, put them back down. Put them back down. There's so many hands that went up. i tell you what I want us to do. I want us to just reach over and grab the hand of the person beside you right now. And we're going to pray a prayer of agreement together. I'm pretty sure that you're probably holding the hand of someone. That raised their hand, there were so many that went up. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak freedom over this congregation. I speak freedom through forgiveness. And Father, we come against the enemy that shackles us with unforgiveness, that shackles us with the pain of the past. We take authority over that right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I I pray, Lord, that You would help us to release it and bless our enemies so we can be free. Today we draw a line in the sand and we live forward. Not to be held back by the pain of the past but we embrace the vision of the future that you have for us, God. Whether that future is two or three years or 15 years or a lifetime, we embrace it, Lord. Make the next years of our life the most effective for you that we've ever lived. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Now I want you to pray with me. Say, Dear Lord, I forgive. I ask you to give me strength I ask You to give me courage to take the next step into my destiny. Father, forgive me for holding on to things that's held me back. And today, I release them in the name of Jesus and ask for Your grace to carry me through. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand, clap of praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give Him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number for jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the word will work if you work the word.